afternoon, everyone. Uh, for everyone listening, I'm here with uh, Kevin Hipkins. Uh, he's the chief experience officer, I think he likes to be known, at Molly Maid. Um, so hi, Kevin. Hi, how are you doing, Doug? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. So no, I, I read somewhere you don't you don't really appreciate titles so much. So so that that's that's one that you would happily use. Um, chief, chief experience officer, is that right? Yeah, we're 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 a pretty flat organization. Everybody gets stuck in uh, helping franchisees. I, I personally don't like titles, <laughs> um, and and I think anybody in our organization has one focus, and that's just helping franchisees. Okay, great. Uh, but um, but underneath all of that, where you have to have a title, Kevin, what um, what's your role at an ownership level with with Molly Maids? So uh, I guess the official title is uh, president and CEO. Uh, I'm the owner of the company as well. And so uh, I'm primarily responsible for determining what we're doing on a on a kind of an annual basis. Are we doing the right things to help franchisees? Are we doing the right things to grow our brand? Um, are we doing the right things to grow the organization? And, and it, it is it does come back to growth. There's no doubt about it. OK, great. And, and tell us, um, for those that don't know, who are Molly Maids and, and what do they offer your customers? Yeah, we're pretty fortunate. The name Molly Maid really does a fantastic job telling people what we do, which is cleaning houses. So we have we have a, a, a franchise owners who have a teams of staff. They go in teams of two. They get into a customer's home and the franchise owner, first of all, identifies with the customer, what they want done, uh, how frequently they want it done what price they're going to pay to have it done. And then they send a team in to be able to do it on a regular basis and, and make sure that customer is happy with the service. At, at the end of the day, it does come back to, is that customer happy and making a trade-off that they don't have to do the cleaning, they pay us to do it. And, and we do a great job in making sure that they're happy. Okay, all right, thanks thanks for that. And and the, the name Molly made, the, the made bit is, is obviously kind of ob obvious, I get that. Um, Tell me about the Molly Maid. How, what's the origins? How, how did that name come about? Yeah, so the, the, the company was actually started in Canada uh, by a, a nurse and her husband. So Adrian Stringer and her husband, Chris Stringer. And they, they were living in upstate New York. They couldn't find anybody to clean their house. They read about the well-heeled in Manhattan who couldn't find house cleaners because back in the 1970s, immigration patterns were changing. And, uh, and and we had more and more women entering the workforce uh, and immigration was such that it was more, I hate to, to go through an entire society, but it wasn't European, it was a bit more Asian and they weren't as comfortable going in to clean the houses. So they had a situation where demand was increasing and supply was falling. And they thought, you know what, we get back to Canada, we're going to, to look into this. I think this could be a business that works. So got back to Canada and Chris Stringer had seen a movie called The Unsinkable Molly Brown, uh, and he, and he he liked the spirit uh, of the of of the group that were on this this submarine, and he thought Molly, I like that spirit. Molly, when you clean houses, how about Molly made? Uh, and that seemed to that seemed to resonate, and ended up uh, getting a graphic designer to design a logo. They came up with the 18th century maid cap, uh, and away we went. And that, and that was Molly made and it stuck. And that was Molly made and it stuck. And, and the name still sticks. I mean, yeah. if you ask somebody how they heard of us, they probably they probably can't tell you. They just know. And, and I think one of the reasons they know is because the name just rolls off your tongue. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. It's, it's, it's interesting because for me, 
you know, I've been in franchising 20 years. So Mo Molly made from the very beginning, as soon as I started to understand what franchising was all about, Molly made was one of those brands um, that that really featured and, and it's just always been in my kind of psyche for 20 years. So it's, it's interesting to hear how other people might see it because I've, I've forgotten, I've forgotten how I didn't see it, you know, 20 years ago. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. That's good. I, I, lo I love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, so, so Kevin, what, tell me about how it, how it came about, I guess uh, you, you and Molly made, how, how did that happen? Yeah. So I was, uh, I, my background is uh, banking and management training. And so back in the early 1990s, I was working with a, a bank in Canada on the commercial banking side and then went to the management training side and ended up connecting with Jim McKenzie, who who didn't found Molly made the, the stringers found it. But I said, Jim gave us, Jim gave Molly made its cultural and, and marketing DNA. And so uh, met with Jim, did some seminars for Molly Made uh, over the course of about a year and a half. And then some things had changed within the leadership structure of the company. And Jim, I uh, got to know Jim quite well. And Jim called me up and said, hey, would you be interested in, in joining uh, the company and helping us to grow? And I, I love the franchise owners. I still love the franchise owners. Uh, I love, really enjoyed working with Jim. He's a real passionate individual not only about molly made but about the concepts of franchising kind of what it stands for and uh and joined the company and you know went went on from there it's it's been a great ride and, and what does um what does molly maids look like today in in terms of its network size in canada in in, in the uk uh, globally what what yeah. what's what's that structure so the structure today is uh it's 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 a brand that is by far large owned by uh, Molly Maid International in Canada. And then that brand is licensed to uh, individual franchisors to be able to expand it. And, you know, and I say that it's a bit different in the United States. The United States, they own the brand. Um, so it, it's a little bit different in the United States than what we have. But other than that, the, uh, the franchisors operate in the United Kingdom, uh, Canada, the United States, Japan and Portugal. Okay, and and um and in the UK, what's how many franchisees are there? How many territories are covered? Yeah, point? so we've got oh yeah, yeah, I think there's there's eighty territories that are covered now, with a total of sixty seven franchisees. Um, some consolidation coming out of COVID. Uh, in terms of franchisees, not not the areas necessarily, but the franchisees. Uh, we're doing system wide turnover right now of about twenty three and a half million, give or take. Yeah. Um, so that's here in, in, in United States and, and Canada. I don't get involved too much with that anymore. Used to, um, but but not anymore. So I don't have a great handle on what they do. No, no, that's that's good. I, it's interesting to hear about the UK and and uh, you know see where Molly Maids are are kind of headed. What what's the what's the vision um, in terms of in terms of numbers of of territories um, in the UK or franchisees in the UK? So we will we can double the number of franchisees that we have, and and that's one of the reasons why I bought out my partners uh, to be the owner for Molly Made in the United Kingdom is because we have a lot of room to expand from a distribution perspective. So that that's the first thing. It's it's expanding our number of franchise owners, uh, and then the second thing is taking that brand and doing more with it, um, doing more with it to be able to help franchisees increase brand awareness. Uh, and drive more value for uh, Molly Made UK, meaning the shareholders. It's important for us because obviously for franchisees, but 
our industry has absolutely exploded coming out of COVID here. Uh, and so I think the potential that franchisees have to grow their business is a lot greater. And so it's about really ramping up then the efforts that we're putting into helping them to do that. So, so tell me about um, why, I mean, did it ramp up for obvious reasons because everyone was stuck in their homes for so long that they realized, well, you know, we need to keep this place clean more or, or how, or how, what, what, yeah. How did that come about? What was the reasoning or how did you see it? Yeah. I, I think it comes back to supply demand and, and supply demand impacts every single industry. You just don't know how much it impacts it. So Pre-COVID, let's say most of the industry, the cleaning industry was done by cash in hand. So you pay somebody to clean your house, you're paying 10 pounds an hour. It's all done, primarily done on a, on a cash on cash in hand basis. And, oh, sorry, I don't know if you're still there, Doug. But um, uh, coming, coming out of COVID, what happened was uh, a lot of the house cleaners who had been cleaning homes, they couldn't get in to clean the house and they didn't get paid. And so they ended up leaving the industry. And then a lot of those cleaners, when they left the industry, they went back to their home country. Maybe they went back to Poland and found out because of Brexit, they couldn't get back in. And so we have a shortage of cleaners right now in the United Kingdom. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Doug, how are you? I'm, I'm having a resort to, um, yeah, the, the power's gone again. So I'm just, I've, I've got my phone and I've got 4G. 5G. Oh, no. did, did, did you want to maybe make it for next week then, Doug? Would that, would that be easier? Uh, yeah, yeah, we could we we could do if um hold on, let me just put my um I saw my video anyway. So um there you go. This is yeah. my little this is my this is my little office. <laughs> so, I've, I've got two offices. I've got one because my wife and I work together in the business, so I'm actually in her office at the moment um and uh mine mine's up there so uh so yeah <laughs> so, I, I give you credit working from home i i uh, i just could not i can't do it no well we we've um we've done it we've done it now for 18 years so oh, and okay. and you know the other thing is we've we've been well i've done it for 18 years my my wife and i have worked together for 15 so we've been met yeah and we've been married for 11 12 now so um, and we work together in the business. And so, you know, and it's, it's amazing because I just, I just think it's like, it's obviously it works really well for us, but it's probably such a small percentage that that would make it be able to make it work. We're just pretty lucky that we have really. So uh, very small. Yeah, very, yeah, it is very small. And, um, <clears throat> but you, you just have to set up in the right way. I think, you know, all, since COVID all, well, during COVID all this work from home stuff, um, we were so we were used to it, of course, because we did exactly nothing really changed. Um, I, I had to become like a uh, I had to become a, a like a management consultant, uh, teaching people how to work from home because I'd always done it. And and so Zoom and things for me were just totally normal and um, and and organizing yourself and separating work and, and business and having kids and separating them and creating home office space. You, you suddenly, I mean, I never made any money out of it, Kevin, don't get me wrong, but, but, I, but I, you know, I probably missed a trick, but, but I advised so many people over, over COVID about how to set up in the right way. So, um, yeah, I'd say we're somewhat, somewhat of an expert or somewhat of an expert at doing that now. So, <laughs> so. well, you know, the right place, the right time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. So, um, no, Kevin, we can, 
do you know what? we can carry on like this i mean i'm i'm okay it's it's uh oh, yeah, it's, yeah it does it does fine by me yeah it's not a problem i'm using my arm as a i'm using my arm as a as a but you know that's just that's just real life right <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it is what it is so um no no that's fine so we, you know we 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 um yeah we we can carry on um no no problem at all cuz you know, I was enjoying I was enjoying the chat to be honest um Kevin so um I, so just just to bring it back to bring bring it back to to you and 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 Molly Maids and and everything else I know you know I know for me um when I first kind of started to understand what franchising really was right in the in a kind of a business format that we understand it um when did you when did you first understand what franchising really was it wasn't just mcdonald's on on a high street or you know there was a lot more to it than that uh so the, the, when i did my first seminar for molly made back in canada which was financial training so it, it was budgeting and it was cash flow forecasting and had the opportunity to go oh, three four cities uh, across canada to to be able to do that and and met met probably 75% of the franchisees on those seminars, got a chance to to spend time with Jim and the, the leadership team at Molly Made, uh, who were really passionate about helping franchisees. I mean, it, I can't can't make that up. And then that that that's where you get a chance to see, wow, I mean, this is a this is this is a real opportunity from a business perspective because you're you're working with people and and helping them to grow their business. And as they grow their business, you're growing your business as well. So you, you, if you focus on them and 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 make sure they're growing, then you just got to kind of get pulled along with it in their jet stream, if you will. So that was your first real. And, and before that, what was your understanding of franchising? Do you, I mean, do you remember that if someone had said to you, "What what is franchising?" What what would have been your? How would you have answered that? Oh, you said McDonald's, and that probably would have been it, right? But, but yeah. back 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 in the late 1980s in in Canada, even the early 1990s, there 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 wasn't a lot of franchisors, and and there was there wasn't a lot of franchise not so much franchisors. There wasn't a lot of brands that you'd associate with franchising. McDonald's, yes, franchising, but you probably would have associated that more with restaurant. Um, yeah. there, there was a franchise called Weedman in Canada. Um, yes, it was franchise, but you'd associate that with coming to control your weeds and your lawn and so for me the con the, the franchising concept really wasn't about necessarily the franchising side it was about the branding side it's that creating that consumer brand yeah and i and i think that you know i think that still exists very much today kevin doesn't it i mean I, once you once you get past the major high street brands the fmb <clears throat> brands um and that kind of thing um it, it, people really don't you know a lot of people on the street don't understand that this company offering this service in lawn care or in domestic cleaning or in commercial cleaning or whatever else is a franchise they just they just see it as a service they need and and that's about as far as it gets and um yeah. you know and 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 uh it, it's interesting i mean i think that's always one of the um it's one of the growth restrictors for franchise always finding franchisees is that there's just not such a great general knowledge amongst the population about what franchising really is and what it can offer them potentially if they want their own business. So, you know, again, I, I think there's a lot of people at lots of levels trying to change that all the time. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'd love, I'd love to see the stats on, let's say that the franchising sector in, in the UK, how many people do we employ? If you take all the franchisees, how, how much turnover do we do? How many brands do we have? And, and I think there, there's a, 
you know, we're, there's a there's a strong business case for franchising in the United Kingdom that I I don't think people really understand. No, no, I know, I you know, I know the likes of the BFA are working, you know, hard at multiple levels from government all you know down to community and and so on. Um, but it it's just it it's uh it it takes something quite big I think for for the general population to start to really truly understand what you know what franchising is um and uh you know rishi rishi sunak started talking about it uh generally to the public you know people would prick up their ears and listen um because they'd be like oh what's what's this what's this thing you know rishi's talking about as a way people can start their own business but it just that's very rare that that happens it it, it happened at government level in malaysia in fact and that changed the nature of franchising and the understanding of franchising in malaysia and it just it made it it made it like a household conversation about, you know, starting, starting, starting a business via a franchise. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're nowhere there near there yet um, in the UK. That's for sure. So no, nice um, aspirational target. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I, it, it, it would help everyone and everything relating to franchising. So it's a big, it's a, it's a big picture goal, which, yeah, no, no one should ever lose sight of probably. So, um, so, so, you know, Kevin, one of the people listening to this, um, that there will be some will be business owners, small business owners that that have a successful business or what they consider a successful business and they're looking to grow it. And, and franchising might just be entering their consciousness as a as a as a um, as a growth format for, for them. Um, there'll be other people listening who are franchisors already. Um, at various stages, some at very early stages of the journey, um, just maybe taking on their first franchisees and, and figuring out that. Um, and there will be franchisors that are much more mature, um, maybe maybe looking and thinking about exit strategies um, at, at, at ownership level. Um, and then we also know there'll be people listening who are thinking about maybe investing in a franchise and becoming a franchisee. So, um, so the question I wanted to ask you, um, and uh, it's a bit convoluted the way I'm going about it, but um, with all your experience franchising, um, with everything you've been involved with, with Molly made, what kind of advice would you give, you know, firstly, um, the small business owner who is considering franchising as a way to, to, to grow their business? So if we, I don't think it was that convoluted actually, Doug. Um, but uh, if we divide up, let's divide it up to into to franchisor uh, and franchisee. So yeah. from, from a franchisor perspective, it's first of all prove that the business model works, and and prove that the business model works not just once, but prove that it works two, three, four, five, six times. Uh, you you need you need you need to understand that yourself. If you're going to accept somebody's money. To start a franchise, you better be sure that it works well for them, right? And so you you spend the time knowing that it works. And if you're the franchisor, you of course can you of course can negotiate. Let's say you're a high street brand, you know, you want to be in every high street. You can nego negotiate all those leases, and you can hire the people, or you can rely on a motivated franchisee to do that for you. And and they will do it for you, but you have to demonstrate that business model works. That's that's kind of first and and, and foremost. And I think for franchisees, at, at the end of the day, if you're a franchisee, you're buying a brand and you're buying access to a brand and a business system. And and I, I think you you have to make sure in your own, your own mind that that brand and that business system is going to give you the opportunity to build a bigger business than if you were to do it yourself. 
Agree. Yeah. And 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 to a to a franchisor who's who's kind of got over you know got got over that first hurdle has has you know has a network of let's say more than ten franchisees um, who are profitable and performing. Um, what would you say to them about future growth? Because you, you're obviously a, a, a well-sized, mature network now. Yes, you've still got a way to go to, to be fully, you know, fully grown, but you're, you're really well down the line. And that's really hard to do. Um, and, and so, I, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to hear from you as to what kind of things need to be thought about to go from, say, 10 franchisees to 70. Um, and and make sure that that it's done in the right way, a sustainable way. So I I, I see the first thing is you're talking with your franchisees a lot. You're understanding exactly kind of their I, I say their pain points, but what are their pain points? What are the things that are holding them back from growing their business? So if if you understand that, then you can develop the strategies or the the initiatives that are designed to solve those things. It is about solving. The pain points for the franchisee. So let's say you've got let's say you've got ten franchisees. You, you you've got at least enough revenue to be able to to support them, and and then it's understanding within your within your structure, your support office, head office, whatever you're calling it. How, how is it that you can solve all these pain points that franchisees have through your own infrastructure, and whether that's whether that's giving them money back for advertising, whether that's helping support leasehold improvements, it, it just it it really is going to range on the business model. But I, I believe it first and foremost starts with understanding the, the franchisees' pain points. Yeah, and and you you as as a, I, I suppose as a as a new franchisor, you know. I, you 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 can't really call yourself a franchisor until you've you've taken on a number of franchisees and supported them successfully and understood their pain points and overcome those and tweak the template and been in a better place for the next franchisee that joins you um, and when you've done that a number of times you can never stop improving that's for sure but you can get you can get really close to to uh, to that ideal model that'll work at that small medium enterprise level yeah. Uh, you know for the franchisee um so yeah so that's i think yeah i think that i think that's good advice you know work 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 with your growing franchise network and 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 never assume that you are the finished article no no you your your business model i think covid's taught i think covid's taught taught business people that you, you've got to change and sometimes that change have, has to happen pretty quickly but i think sometimes in franchising franchisors are maybe too reluctant, I'm not going to say too afraid, but too reluctant to change the business model. And I understand that, but you've got to embrace change to, because that's, that's probably what's holding you back from allowing, from helping you to, to help franchisees. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so Kevin, what the next five years at Molly made, let, let's look, let's go back to Molly made a little bit and, and um, what, where are you seeing the next five years in terms of not only growth, but, but development of the model potentially or the brand? Yeah, so I, 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 I don't know what happens necessarily with all franchises, but, but you know, for us, so I have to, it gets pretty granular. I like, I like the granularity. I like, I like understanding kind of what's happening at the ground. So I'll be really specific on this, but 
with the, our market is is absolutely exploded because of Brexit and COVID. So that that's creating opportunities for franchisees to double and triple their business, and that's what we want to help them do. So we we want to help them to add teams, to add customers, to add staff members that is going to allow them to take their business from where it is today and see it double and triple um, because the market will market will allow that. So that that's the first thing. And it's, it's same store sales growth. And I think then the, the second thing is, is, you know, we, we do need a bit of a you know, economic kind of, I don't know, readjustment in the country. And, and, and I think that will allow, you know, I think all franchisors are going to see their business grow because usually in an, in a down period, more people join franchising because maybe they don't want to join the traditional workforce and, or the paid workforce, if you will. But I, I think we, we, we will see if there's a job loss recession, then I think we will see more individuals uh, look at franchising as an alternative to, to be able to realize their financial goals. And, and I think we will see more, for us at least, we're going to have more franchise owners join us. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 so it's fair to say that, that um, for new franchisors, again, this is, you know, for people who have been in franchising a long time, they'll understand as fully what you, what you're saying, but for, for new franchisors, making sure that your franchisees are successful, are profitable, are growing, are, are doing what they need as a small business um, that, that guarantees the success of you as a franchisor. So, so let's focus on them because the rest will 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 work out work out itself to a degree. Uh, absolutely, you know we, we we talk about it's it's we talk about giving helping giving franchisees more and better tools to be able to compete in their market. So it's developing better tools for them to to attract more customers, and it's developing better tools for them to be able to attract more staff members, and and it's about developing better tools for them that allows them to grow their business. It, you know, it's kind of a catch-all, but it's just not, you know, I think some franchisors may think, well, it's just chucking more money into advertising. It's, it's not, it's, that could be part of it, but it's, it's our, it's the tools that you're helping to develop to be able to give franchisees a, a better opportunity to grow their business. So Kevin, I wanted to ask you about uh, just with your understanding of franchising and, and managing franchise networks and, and the, and the franchisee franchisor relationship where do you see the trickiest or the most difficult parts of that being, or what are the most difficult parts of that, in in your opinion? Yeah, I, th I think for the franchisor, <clears throat> it, it's really understanding the pain points of the franchisees. It, it's what 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 are they going through? What is preventing them from achieving more success? Whatever su success looks like for them, whether it's more sales, whether it's you know more profit, whether it's growth, whether it's expansion. I mean, it, it could be a number of things, but I think for a franchisor, it's really drilling down to understand what are those pain points? Because if you understand what the pain points are, then, and you're solving them, then then it's a, then it's a true partnership. And uh, if, if you don't understand them and you start to do things that don't benefit the franchisee, it don't doesn't solve a problem for them. It doesn't solve a challenge, but hey, it, it 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 looks really good for us. Um, that that doesn't make sense, and the organization won't be successful. Yeah, no, that that that's that makes sense. And and um, I always look at. I mean, a franchisee is just another small business in, on one hand. Um, a small a small you know an SME, a limited company, whatever. However, they set up. But but on the other hand, 
they have they have the backing and the structure that the franchise always provided them and and that's really what they're relying on but fundamentally you've still got you've still got to deal with the whole um marketing and sales side of, of a business uh, and a small business and um and what i wanted to ask you was those are, in my experience, that that's where most franchisees lack either skill, background, experience, knowledge, et cetera, is in, this, is in the sales and marketing side of a business, which is incredibly important if you want to make any money. Um, how, how, do you, how do you help franchisees and support franchisees in those two areas, marketing first and then, and then sales? So my marketing, and I, I like the way that actually is structured because it is marketing first and, and it could be and maybe you drill down a little bit more and just say advertising, but, but it's marketing and advertising and, and then it's sales. So it's like that top of the funnel activity. And so what we do is, is we, we try to generate as many inquiries as the franchise owner needs to be able to grow. And so we work with them to identify, well, how, how it gets to be a numbers game. How many, how many, how much do you want to grow? How many new customers do you need to add? How many inquiries, therefore, do you need? Because that's going to produce estimates to go see a customer. So, so we take, we take the, and we take a lot of the advertising, not so much off, off of our franchisees' hands, but we help them to do it. And mainly that's paid search advertising through Google, Facebook management of our Instagram accounts, our social media feeds, um, Facebook, and then it's leaflet advertising as well, which also starts to, to get some of the older demographic, but it's, it's trying, it's taking a lot of active, that activity away from franchisees. And I don't say that mean take it away because they can't do it. I just mean, take it away because if they have to think about all the advertising they have to do, and then they have to do all of the interviews and then they've got to talk with staff and then they've got to keep customers happy. It, it's just too much for them. And so as a franchisor, we say, listen, let's take that off your hands because we can do that for you and, and we can manage the brand and we can drive inquiries so that you can just concentrate on managing them. So that, that's, that's the first thing, that top of the funnel activity. The second thing is, is, a, is technology. Now, you know, I say technology and people think, oh, technology and maid service, you've got to be joking me. I mean, it's the most, it, it's, you clean, you, you know, you, you use a Hoover, you clean toilets. That's not technological, but it's the management of the business that's a little bit technological. So we, we, we've had, we've long had uh, sales management software where, where we can, we can track the number of leads that franchise owners are getting from all of the, all of the activities that we're doing, mainly paid search. And then we can track, well, what's their conversion rate? We can track how many times they're following up with customers so that we can start to understand the correlation between quick response, follow-up, and conversion. And so, and that software has evolved over time. And actually, we're we're, in, we're developing new software this year that we're using with a with a UK supplier um, to be able to help franchisees. So it's it's that it's that sales management software that helps franchisees to better manage the leads they have. Uh, and it's all, and then it's about conversion, right? If you manage the lead better, you're going to convert that customer at a higher percentage than if you don't manage the lead. And yes. And that conversion thing is, 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 is obviously the final piece. And, um, and that's something that most franchisors can't do for the franchisee that, that is up to the franchisee to, 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 to hit those conversion rates because you can serve them with all the inquiries in the world, but, but if they're not converting any, um, then, then that's a problem. How, how do you support people? How do you talk about what sales means in, in, in your business or in their business in this case? Um, 
and 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 how do you kind of coach them to go about that in the right way and and how do you solve problems with those franchisees that just aren't they just don't they're not getting the function of sales or they misunderstand what it is or you know what i mean because it is different with every with every franchisor but but it's yeah. it's a key it's a key problem um, i'm just wondering how you help to solve that yeah you know, honestly Doug, it's not that much of a problem for us and maybe it's because when a, when a customer reaches out to us to be able to, to get made service, you, letting somebody in your house is an incredibly personal decision. And so if you've reached a point where you think, listen, I, I need household help, I'm going to call somebody, you're inviting that person into your house. So automatically the sales, it's not double glazing, if you will. It's, it's so the, it maybe it's because the customer relationship is really started right from the day that they visit the website. And so our franchisees are really going in to understand what the customer wants done. And, and we have a very high conversion rate. We convert on average at a, so between going in to see the customer to the conversion to getting the customer, our conversion rate is usually around 65, 75%. So that that's incredibly high percentage, but the, re, the but the reason we get it so that, so to your point, what, what do we do to help franchisees? It's, it's helping them to understand, okay, what's the process you follow when you're in a house? Yeah. Um, what, what, what do you want? What information do you want to get? And what's the best practice to be able to provide the customer with the estimate for the price um, and the estimate for the service? And then what to do after they get that estimate if they don't convert and then how to follow up with that customer. And so we will spend a lot of time training them uh, on what our processes are, but they come with a lot of skills anyways. We find our franchisees are very people oriented. So they come with that kind of natural skill. Uh, and then, you know, we also do a lot at our regional meetings. So we get franchise owners together uh, at least nine times a year, um, right around the country. And so what we'll do is we'll always have a sales part. Well, what's the best practice? What are you doing that's working? What are, how, how do you, what are some of the most common objections you have? How have you handled them? Um, what's your conversion rate? Oh, why do you have a high conversion rate? You have a lower conversion rate. Okay, well, maybe we should put the people with the low conversion rate with the people with the higher conversion rate so they can talk with each other to understand what they do. Um, I mean, franchisees learn the most from each other. I mean, we can say, oh, well, this is the process that works. But when they're talking with another franchisee and that franchisee says, oh, yes, this process works, it, it means a lot more. Yeah, that, that's... Uh... I mean that that was the next that that's what I was really going to get onto next and and you you kind of gone down that path there it's the the management of the relationship that the franchisees have separate to the franchisor in a way it's it's kind of creating a forum where franchisees can ask other franchisees and get the answers and and you create this hive uh, mentality where 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 people see not just one support from a franchisor but um, you know, tens or hundreds in some cases, depending on how many franchisees there are, and and um, and, and that that actually becomes a hugely supportive role. I, I think a lot of franchisors don't, in my experience, they don't set that up in the right way. How 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 have you gone about creating that environment? Because I think it's critical. So when you say the environment, maybe just you mean the environment where they they want to participate, they want to learn. I suppose I, I suppose it comes back down to um, you know t technology. I'm a I'm a massive advocate of technology across. It doesn't matter how simple the business is or what kind of business it is. But for me, technology is absolutely key to to pulling lots of things together and and technology at all kinds of levels. And so so I suppose one question is, uh, 
um, how do you create effective communication uh, between franchisees that that are all over the country and you know they they're not just going to all pick up the phone and and have chats on the phone together. So so what what have you kind of set up or how have you got things set up to make it easier? For that yeah, communication yeah that, that is a bit of a secret sauce isn't it um uh, so <laughs> we um it's like chicken and egg what, what do you get first but um first of all on the technology side we use a program called uh, workplace by facebook slash meta so yeah. that that's our company intranet and that has i mean i'm not going to say revolutionized because it sounds <laughs> it sounds too grandiose but but it has kind of transformed how we communicate with franchisees and how they communicate with e with each other. So it's almost it's almost like having one specific forum where they can go to uh, that area and ask questions and get information from others, get information from ourselves. So, back, you know, a few years ago, we would be sending out memos to franchisees, and and maybe we'd have a on the website or a part of intranet, we would have a we would have a, a not a necessarily forum, but some video tools. Well, now through through workplace, there's no there's no memo that gets sent out. It's it's all it's all there, and they can access it anytime they want. If they want to access it Friday night at, at eight o'clock with a glass of wine in their hand, they can do it. If they want to do it Sunday morning because they get up and they they really want to do some extra work in their business, then they do that. And so I I think workplace for us is really really transformed how we communicate with franchisees and how they communicate with each other. Easier to connect. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, no, that 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 makes sense. I mean, yeah, but franchise always use lots of uh, lots of tools. That's 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 a, that's quite a common one, um, but it seems to you know it seems to work very well. The bottom line is, um, as long as the tool is effective and and working, that's that's the most you know that's yeah. the most important thing. We, we, we you know the, the other thing we've done we've always done at our regional meetings uh, or national meetings is is we have roundtable discussions and and that's where we set aside you know usually it could be let's say if we have a two day meeting. Um, we could spend four hours, you know, three, four hours on roundtable discussions spread across two days. So yeah. he, he, here, here's a topic uh, that we're going to talk about. Here's kind of a, a loose presentation on why we're talking about it and, and maybe what we want, what you want to get out of it. And then we ask questions that they talk amongst themselves. Uh, and that type of sharing is what really starts to get the juices going in terms of improvement. You know, it's getting that, it's, it's really making that franchisee feel, wow, um, this is, this is, I really can see the benefit of this. And I, and I, and I want to improve this in my business. It's getting that passion ignited that I think really does light it up. But in those roundtable discussions, we, we've always believed that, that that's the best way to get franchisee sharing. And that's where they, they spark a relationship. And then they'll follow up with that individual you know, two, three weeks from now, maybe when they're having a challenge um, where they wouldn't have picked up the phone before, but maybe now they will because they've, they've talked with that person in a bit more of an informal setting. And how do you teach? So you're talking about franchise conferences here. You might call them something else, but franchise conferences where all franchisees get together physically over a day or two days and a night and, and, um, and, and whatever else. You're a you're a very mature brand. You've been around a long time. You have a big network, so it looks the way it does now. Um, so, so two questions: one, how how do you structure that? What what are some of the things that you do to um, to ensure that the most amount of your franchisees attend or are there? Uh, so that's the first thing. Secondly, um, how do you create a structure around that so that it is relevant and and 
and there's value in it uh, for for attending. Um, and uh, yeah, start start with those two for now. Yeah. So uh, um, the the first thing is is franchisees will will prepay and we call it a meeting fee, and and they'll prepay it every single week with the royalties, and that covers their registration at all the all the meetings that we have throughout the year. And so what we're trying to do there is we we try to try to get it to a point where the franchisee doesn't say, oh, geez, it's going to cost this to attend. And therefore, I don't know if I want to spend that. Whereas if they just pay it every single week, and it's a small amount, then then it covers their attendance. So they don't even have to think about it. We just tell them, listen, you're you're automatically registered by by having this this prepaid fee. Um so that's the is first that, thing. Is, is, sorry, Kevin, is is that um is that does is that part of the management service fee? Is it just yes. It's part of their percentage that they pay. It, it just kind of covers. This is one of the other support, yeah, side of things that's, that that is covered by. It. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a small amount. We keep the registration fees for events very low. I mean, yeah. we 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 don't even cover our costs, and and so that's that's the other thing is if we cover off the cost of our meetings, we split it between our fixed and managed expenses and our and our what we call our brand development fund, that cooperative advertising fund. And so that pays for about 80% of the cost of uh, regional meetings and then or conferences. And then franchisees usually will contribute 20% through this meeting fee that they pay. So we we subsidize the cost for them um, is the first and foremost. And, and, we, and we make it easy for them to attend from a financial perspective. Um, and then in terms of terms of adding, you know, delivering value, you got to take the time. You got to take the time to plan these things out. It, 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 it takes three to four months to really plan out an agenda. And sometimes that agenda will involve some research. Well, you can't do research two weeks before the event. If you may have to do research two months before the event. So you need, you do need three, four months to really plan it out. And then finally we go through presentations. It, it's painful for our team. I, I, <laughs> I feel for them, but we, we will take, we will take, kind of two days and go through every single PowerPoint slide and discussion that we're having. And, and we all chime in and say, I don't know if I like that question. What are you getting at here? I don't know if that's the one we want to be asking. I don't know if, don't know if that's the, that's the, the information we want to share. I don't know if that's the discussion we want to have. So we, we, we just tear it apart. Uh, and that preparation, I think, I hope at least really makes the event fantastic for franchisees. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. I've never really thought about it until right this moment that a, a, a good franchisor with a developed network has to become a good event planner because yeah, this is do. the event. I've never, ever thought of it that way. But but that's what you're describing there. You know, that's three, four months planning. You, you can't just outsource it all. You, you can't. In fact, in fact, you, you, you uh, there's yeah, of course, there's elements you can you can outsource, maybe booking a venue and, and maybe getting someone to help do that. But but most of it you have to do internally. It's 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 your internal people and support structure that's that's really putting this on and delivering the value. Um, so yeah, I mean it's event planning, isn't it? Uh, it it is event planning, and you you're right. You do need you you do need. It's like it's like cooking. You need time to let that settle. And so we we'll have a draft agenda three four months before. And even if it's a one day meeting, I don't care. Let's we need a draft agenda. Let's see it. Um, and then from that draft agenda, we share it with some franchisees as well, saying, "Okay, here's what here's what we're thinking. How's it look? 
And so that interaction with the franchisees, a small group ahead of time, shows us, yeah, that's the right path or, or no, that's the, the wrong path. But I'd say the first and foremost is we want to deliver value for those meetings for franchisees. This is just, just not kind of chucking a bunch of information on a PowerPoint slide with sales graphs and conversion rates. That's no, I mean, you can do that through Zoom. Um, no, it's it's really, it's it's a desire to make sure that franchisees get a lot of value from these. And and if they're not getting value from it, well, they're just not going to, they won't attend. But better still, I, I would just feel mortified <laughs> if, if, if we didn't produce a session that, really tick the boxes for franchisees every single session like that's and i and i i can't can't emphasize that enough and and so to so the structure of that it's an overnight typically right it's a is it two days in an overnight is that is that yeah so we that's one thing we changed coming out of covid so i mean we are an established brand i've been doing this for 30 years a lot of meetings um we we changed what we were doing coming out of COVID is so before before COVID, we would have a national event every two years and it would yep. be it'd be three days. So they'd get there on a Thursday night and it would be Friday, Saturday, and then they'd go home Sunday right. uh, every two years. And then we'd have we'd supplement that with a meeting in the spring and a meeting in the autumn. But coming out of COVID, we knew you know, we, there was a real, real desire to get people together because they need to talk about what they what they went through and and we wanted to get them together like the first weekend in january and somebody said well we, we can't do that you know there, there's still some lockdown and we said well we're gonna do it <laughs> because we we, we got to plan this out franchisees need that the first part of january so we now instead of having a conference every two years we have a get together for just uh one night um in first part of january and actually our, it's the second weekend in january in 2024 and yep. that that allows it, and it, it this is it's not businessy, it teeny weeny bit of business, and then it's just about celebration of the past yep. year, yep. and then then we'll we'll have a another meeting in the spring, and then we'll have another meeting in the autumn, and that's a bit more formal, yeah. Well, and then we supplement that, and we do that right around the country in the south, in the north, and then up in Scotland as well, and then we supplement that. We have what we call kind of a high growth meeting, and so we'll identify number of franchisees could be five could be 10 could be 15 who who are, who are achieving some really high growth and then we bring them together for a one-day meeting to talk about how they're achieving that growth and how they're managing it and how they think about it and so then that way we can take those best practices well first of all it helps them but second thing is then we we can take that and use it to be able to help other franchisees get the growth that these individuals are getting and your um and are you still getting everyone together um and for a couple of nights is that still happening once every two years or how, how no, no. you're not you kind of doing regional regional meeting regional get-togethers so and, we'll, we'll yeah we'll have a we'll have a meeting in january yeah and, and, and i love that time frame because it kicks the year off and that's yeah. everyone that's, that's, that's everybody that's everyone yeah, yeah. everybody's invited everybody's invited to that um yeah. and so that that's that's the that's the second week in january this yeah. year yeah. Uh, and then we'll have the meeting in the springtime, which is about May timeframe. And then we'll have another meeting in. Okay. Uh, so, and that's everyone. And so basically the whole network is meeting three yeah. times a year. Yeah. They're invited. So we try to make it easy for franchisees. Yeah. So we'll have a meeting in the North 
uh, yeah. Midlands to be able to help the, the, the people that maybe don't want to travel down to the south. We'll have yeah. one in the south and then we'll have one up in Scotland as well, because the Scottish franchisees, it's 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 a it's a big ask to get them to travel to <laughs> to travel down to, let's say, London. And so we, we want to be able to help them uh, anyways. But those meetings, they're open to everybody. You franchisee yeah. wants to they can you know, they can go absolutely any meeting they want. But yeah. we do. But we so all to, all together, we'll hold. Um, three, six, seven, eight meetings next year that that all franchisees could attend. Wow, wow, that's I've never heard that before. That that's that's impressive. I'll be honest. And um, and and the attendance. What would you say is the attendance? You know, the percentage if you were average out because because you're right. P people may choose not to attend some because they are up north and this is down south and and so on. And if there's also that many happening in a year, people might say, well, I'll go to three of them and I'll spread it out. What, how, how does that, how does that look? How, you know, how does that work out? Percentage wise, let, let, let's say that the, the Scottish meetings, the, the attendance is pretty much hundred <laughs> percent. So, yeah. so for our Scottish franchisees, the hundred percent of them will attend. Yeah. Um, probably throughout the other meetings, the attendance usually is around 70%. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's 65, sometimes it's 75, but, but yeah. it's about 70%. But, yeah. but what we'll do with those 30% who are unable to attend for whatever reason is we'll have almost a mini agenda that, that our, that our chief operating officer and their business advisor will do with them through zoom or teams uh yeah. so that, that way everybody sees the content uh, yeah. which i think is really important so it's not even for people who can't attend they're not going to get the same experience but we need them to get the same information that we're giving and so that way we aim to get that information out to 100 percent of the franchisees yeah all right okay well that's uh no it sounds like it sounds like a great sounds like a great structure kevin and and it's it's probably only something that that franchisors that are a bit more mature and have a larger network can can probably do right and and um or, or would you suggest that however small a brand is if if they should look at they should look at that kind of a structure from the from from early on how how would you how how would you advise a, a new franchisor who's maybe got five six franchisees seven franchisees at this point well um, I, that, I i think having five six franchisees um Personally, what I I would do is I I would probably get those five to six franchisees together every two three months, right? And and and, and just have a chat. How, yeah. How's it going? How, yeah. how, because if you have five to six franchisees and you're starting, you, your 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 systems are being developed by those five to six franchisees, and so you you need to understand how it's working. You can't be like it's right, but you're not. You can't be so egotistical to think that you've got the best. You've sorted it all out. If you think that, then it's like that, that that saying by Ray Kroc, if you're green, you're growing. If you're ripe, you're raw. And, and so you, you get those five to six franchisees together just to chat about how they're doing, what's working, what's not working, what systems do we need to, to look at? And so that's the way you're going to develop your systems. I would say almost for a smaller franchise network, it's easier to get them together than it is for a larger franchise network. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a... It's a again. I think it's I think it's really sound advice because I think a lot of franchisors are early on are trying to pretend to know everything. They're trying to pretend to have all the solutions. They they're almost putting a front on to those five or six or seven franchisees that, hey, you've invested. We, we can't we can't go and ask you for feedback because that makes us look like we don't have it together. 
Um, and and um, and the truth is actually, as long as you manage the expectations of those first five or six or seven or even ten, and and the expectation from them is we want feedback. You're actually part of the growth of this brand. We've got to this point, but we're going to go to the next level, and and you're involved in that. Actually, empower them so that they feel more part of it. Um, oh, and, totally. and, and and you know they they might then become your well in the beginning they are your franchise council if you want to if you want to kind of if you want to look at it as a having a franchise council or sorry a franchisee council that's what that's what they are um so and then and then it develops from there I, I wanted to ask actually on that franchisee council uh you know having a franchisee council so a, a number of franchisees that are successful trusted and 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 you want their feedback because it, you've got so many franchisees you can't obviously get feedback from 70 or 100 or however many there are how, how do you do you call it firstly a franchisee council you say that you involve them with with agendas and things how do you build that and how do you manage that and how does that change over time in terms of the people and the personnel so that, that that's a really good question and what i'm going to say just works for us and so Somebody could be doing it a little bit differently and it probably works for them too, but I, I, just, I can only share what works for us. So we used to have what we would call a franchise advisory council and an FAC, and we would get them together annually and, and we would have a formal agenda and a number of things that we would want to do in the business, maybe improvements, system changes, some talk about how they're doing. But the, the challenge we found with the FAC is that the the topics were so varied. You know, we, we would want to talk about some operational issues. We want to talk about some technological issues. We want to talk about several challenges, whatever it is, or marketing or whatever it might be. And, and it's just too much of an ask to ask them to comment on every single thing. And, and so we changed, and again, we changed coming out of COVID is, is we have now kind of independent teams. So we'll, so our, our marketing brand manager has a marketing team and that is, three to four franchisees that she relies on to, to give give kind of on the ground advice and, and feedback on what's happening on marketing. And if we're doing something on marketing, then she's going to share it with them to make sure that it's it's right. Um, because as a franchise, as a franchisor, you you can of course do anything you want. You can put out, you know, you can change anything, but if franchisees don't buy into it, then it doesn't matter. You know, it could be the best idea in the world, but if they don't implement it, it's it's not going to it's not going to work. So, get back to us. We have a marketing team, and that, then we'll have a, a high growth team, and then we'll have a technology team, and then we'll have an operations team that'll take a look at training for for our staff, um, vacuum hoovers that we're using, cleaning supplies, really really kind of you know granular stuff. But those individual teams and the people that lead them, that they're charged with the responsibility of, of coming up with ideas that that will work and understanding from franchisees how they're going to work on the ground. Yeah, so that all makes total sense. How do you how do you as a franchisor select who 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 is in those teams who 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 make up part of that franchise advisory council? Yeah, there, there's no for, there's no formal way to do it. The, there, there isn't it, it's it, so let's take a look at the marketing team it, it's it's three to three to four franchisees who really have some some good skill sets when it comes to marketing they've got good intuition uh they, they're they're aggressive in their their marketing they they want to do more and so they have a mindset that works really well with what we want to do too and so on the technology side as well as people that that really do embrace technology you know they will have 
you know, they want to they want to be the first people to try out some some new software or to try out a new improvement. You know, we're looking at developing a, a this year uh, or rolling out a, a maid app so that so that our our cleaners, our maids, can check into a clean and check out to out of a clean right there on their mobile phone. Well, not everybody will be able to test that that improvement. It's got to be people who who are going to really encourage their teams to be able to to do that so it gets back to so how do how do we select it it's 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 intuition right it's it's who are the best people i've seen franchisee councils that are voted on and and personally i think that becomes a popularity contest um and and it sets up a us versus them whereas i like the individual teams because it's it's a togetherness yeah, I like I like that. I I really like that, Kevin. And and so it's almost it's almost an invite from the franchisor to to those franchisees yes. that have proven themselves that show those those skill levels and and that you feel can contribute. Um, and and it's it's up to them to to join to choose to join that team or not. I guess. Yeah, and and then it, it will change people annually, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes maybe they they they've they've said, listen, I. You know, we've we've had like eight calls this year. I just don't have time to do it anymore, <laughs> which is fine. Okay, then, then you know what? Let's find, let's identify somebody else. I think it's like, you know, rolling people through those groups. Make sure that you're getting feedback from everybody. I think sometimes, you know, we've been guilty. Maybe we've had an, an advisory council that that we 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 haven't had enough turnover in it, and and so you need feedback from others in the organization. You you need a collective voice, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, well, Kevin, I think I think you know that's um, that's that's all I had actually for this. It's really interesting. I, I just diving into that whole relationship between franchisee and franchisor to me is is really really interesting. I think it's absolutely key to the success of franchisors and franchisees, uh, and and just having that symbiotic relationship. And we, I, I see it done badly so many times um you know as a consultancy business uh where you you can advise and and you can try and lead people down down a road but um but sometimes it doesn't go that way so it, it's been brilliant to get that insight from from how you handle things and uh and and what's worked for you and, and i'm pretty sure that that people listening will take a lot out of that so really really appreciate that oh um, thank you very much <laughs> no so so kevin yeah look thanks so much for for your time and um I uh, wish you wish all the best in the, in the, in the new year and and um we'll we'll catch up then. Yeah, thank you very much.